We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Soccer Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime this evening, Mr. Michael Stewart, the former Los Angeles Rams defensive back. Mike, how you doing on this long weekend for us? Not sure about everybody else, but it is for us. Hey, man. You can't beat that, can you? Hey, DC, man, doing really well, man. Glad to be here another weekend. Chop it up and talk about our favorite team, the LA Rams. And uh, man, how's everything going with you? I'm enjoying the long weekend. Getting some stuff done, playing some Cold War tests for the kids this week, making a little bit of magic happen. Go. 
So that's what it's do. just about that time, getting closer and closer to the, their big state tests, and got to get things going big time. And uh, you know, the Rams have to get it going too. You know, they finalize their coaching they staff. Really do. They do. And uh, yeah, that's what we want to talk about today. The, 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 the coaching staff has been officially introduced, and uh, I'm my my feelings are changing a little bit, Mike. And maybe you can talk me off the ledge a little bit as we get into it. But oh, I'm kind of not. I'm not feeling things. I got a bad feeling about this. Um, to quote some Star Wars, various Star Wars movies, just to quote. <laughs> so, hey, I, we may have to talk each other off of it. <laughs> yeah, I get a little bit of the same. Feeling, you know, coaching changes are inevitable. Absolutely get that. But it just seems like this thing is, is I don't know. It just don't seem like it's some of it's not the right way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm oh, looking forward so to getting your thoughts on it. Man, I was hoping you would talk me off the ledge. And I just kind of feel like jumping. That's, come on. <laughs> no, don't do that. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So I need folks. someone to hold me. <laughs> <laughs> Hold me. <laughs> Don't ever let go, Jack. Don't ever let go. Yeah. Never. <laughs> All right, folks. Before we get into this, we'll let you know that this show is sponsored by Jim Hawkins, Book Hollow's team. We also remind you that we're available, available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, Spreaker, and SoundCloud. And don't forget to subscribe. Leave that five-star review on Apple Music. It helps us out. helps us get the ratings. helps make us more visible to everybody out there. And we have the contest to go with it. Still going on. We're inching closer and closer to that 205 star reviews. One lucky winner will get a 75 dollars gift certificate to, that's right, NFLShop.com. And this is how it works. Head over to Apple Music. Leave that five star review. It has to be a written review. Take a screenshot of it. And send us an email at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com with a copy of your entry so we know who to enter. And then we're also going to read your feedback on the show. Matter of fact, we'll probably do to read some feedback this week, if not next. So there we go. Finally, in this first segment here, the coaching hires. And I was a, I didn't think you would be, I thought you'd be a little more upbeat about getting younger, getting a little bit more, uh, a little bit more nuanced, maybe. I don't know. But uh, coaching hires to me, well, I'm concerned. Let's just say that. They add they add defensive coordinator Brandon Staley, special teams coordinator John Bonamego, offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell, put him alongside Aaron Cromer as a running game, Eric Henderson, defensive line coach, uh, Isra Evero as the safeties, and Aubrey Pleasant is staying on as the cornerbacks coach. And Wes Phillips has also been retained as a tight ends coach, even though his dad is no longer with the team. So only only thing that's still open is Ted Rath. He's his spot's now been gone, and that doesn't surprise me. He's gone at all. We can we can talk about why here in a minute. And also Zach Robinson is moving from quarterbacks over to assistant wide receivers coach. This coaching staff just got a whole lot younger, a lot younger. And, Mike, I'm not sure how to feel about that. Yeah, I totally agree in the sense that, you know, I I get Coach McVay, uh, you know, myself now being a head coach. You definitely want to get guys who, quote, unquote, will fall on the stake for you, go to bat for you. And it's something about 
you hiring or bringing a guy in, most likely he's going to be a little bit more loyal. So having said that, you also want those guys that have enough experience that you don't have too many young innovators, if you will, in the room. You know what I mean? You need to have a Wade Phillips who's kind of been there, done that, and can kind of settle storms when storms arise or help you avoid storms before they even get there. Uh, but I just, you know, I don't necessarily like the idea. I get maybe, yeah, hey, you want to have guys who can relate to guys. Well, most players, they're going to respect their coaches. You don't want too many guys to almost be their same age because that creates its own dynamics, which can be more, more of a friend as opposed to a coach player relationship. But also could be a breath of life and to a, a staff that seemed to have some issues, especially late in the year, had some breakdowns offensively, offensively didn't seem to be a fist of what they were trying to do. Could be several different problems there, including the offensive line, including Jared Goff not being what he needed to be. It could be the exact opposite. Maybe where these fears are unfounded, maybe they are unjustified. But what I'm seeing, guys who really haven't established themselves in the league yet coming on and taking jobs that the great Wade Phillips held, for example. That does concern me. And by the way, just before I forget, because I will forget, all of a sudden, are running backs coach as well, coming over from Georgia. Right. Now, that's one move I actually do like. I like to know that he's been watching Mr. Brown since 2017. So we know that Sean McVay has been keeping an eye on this on, on him, and that might just be fine. It's just a little nerve-wracking in my view. That's all. Well, you know, but you picking, you know, like a running back position – not that that's not key. You need to be able to absolutely be able to do blitz pickup and different things like that and know where the check's in the line and kind of working with them to make sure you're not letting a guy run free on a blitz or or rush. Uh, but running back coach probably is not as pivotal as when you're talking about an OC and a DC. You know what I mean? So I don't know if you saw, but, you know, Coach McVeigh, he's not sending those guys the you know, OC and DC to the uh, combine. He wants them to be out here installing, you know, the offense and defense, and he wants to have a part. He's only going to go for a little bit. It sounds like he's going to leave things up to, you know, less need and some of the other coaches, which is kind of like, hmm, interesting. So, yeah, there's a lot going on because, you know, with this offseason, and I think what you're hitting on DC is the fact that, there's a lot at stake this offseason. And to bring some younger guys in who are somewhat unproven, it's kind of like, what does that mean? Because it's going to get heated up pretty quick. Well, there's part of me that's looking at the staff and how young it's going to be overall. And it's thinking, well, sometimes you need new blood. Sometimes you do. We... I won't say we. I think I did. I'm not sure exactly about you, but I had the gut feeling Wade wasn't coming back this year after Tampa Bay and then the Baltimore breakdown, the Dallas breakdown. With those games, the lack of adjustments we saw, the 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 how do I say this right? Because I don't want to disrespect Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips has been one of the one of the best coordinators in the league for a long time, but. 
my view is with all the talent they tried to surround him with and how much say he had in personnel in the last couple of drafts especially, I really believe that this defense should have been better than it was. And it wasn't. Well, you think about it. Well, there's some truth to that, but I look at, well, you know, you got a lot of changes. I mean, I think losing Indomitian Sue was huge. Uh, I mean, we had Brockers. He came in and did a real good job in different things, but it's kind of like that was huge. Uh, You know, we lose a safety. Yes, we picked up Eric Weddle, but it's like, again, Eric Weddle's coming in and what ended up being somewhat of a higher gun. You know, he still got to come in, learn a new system, so on and so forth. So there were some change there. You know, we had to play with a rookie at safety, you know, for much of the season. So you got a guy who's just basically been in college last year. Now you're starting safety for a bulk of the season. So taking all those, you know, we changed corner. Well, yeah, we got a great corner in Ramsey. But again, he still got to come get used to new signals, new calls, different things. We saw that big play that they gave up uh, in the last game that, you know, he's looking at the safety thinking he was supposed to be over the top. And so my thing is, and, you know, Wade's been around long enough. I'm going to go with because there's so many changes, there's only so much you can do schematically from week to week with limited time. So you get a guy like Jalen Ramsey coming in. Are you going to have him try to learn the whole defense? No, you're going to basically segment it to couple coverages because of terminology and the way they do it. And, you know, I've sat in some of those safety and cornerback meetings, you know, and they kind of get a little, a little intricate on things that they do. So, Saying all that to say, uh, man, hat off the way, Phillips. Yeah, the defense broke down on some different things. But uh, like you, once they didn't make the playoffs, I, I thought pretty much they weren't going to bring you back. Somebody's always going to be the fall guy. Yeah, Look at you, always the defensive back, always a defensive man. There you go. <laughs> Defending the defense. And by the way, I do want to make a note, the defense was still – very good for much of the year. But, you know, that, that Tampa Bay game sticks at me. That Baltimore game sticks at me. The right. Dallas game sticks at me. And when you have breakdowns like that, and it wasn't even the breakdowns, it was the lack of adjustments. Yeah. That's what freaked me out a little bit. And that seems to be what, what Sean McVay's hitting on now with, with this quote-unquote new blood. The hiring Staley coming in here, a Vic, Van, a Vic Fangio um, disciple, that's not a bad thing at all. Vic Fangio's given the Rams all kinds of problems. He's given the entire league all kinds of problems. That's not a bad thing. But is he Vic Fangio? No. Is he Wade Phillips? No. So he's an X factor. At a year from now, we might be coming back saying, yeah, you know, we were wrong about that. We really didn't see how good this guy was going to be. And that is apparently fine with me. I'm totally cool saying I'm glad that my concerns weren't warranted. But, you know, when you got Sean McVay saying, I'm going to take more responsibility and to get more involved in the defense this year, it was my view all along that he was already taking on too much. He was already butting off where he could chew while trying to run the game as a head coach, be the offensive corner, basically, and, you know, call the plays. I just don't get the need to be involved in defense as much as he is. 
If you, I mean, if we're talking leadership, well, that's I, one I, thing. Right. Well, I think what you're hitting, though, Derek, and I don't know if you even know. I think we talked about a little bit, uh, maybe two podcasts ago, in regards to what did that dynamic look like? You know, was Sean McVay typical head coach? Hey, you walk in there, defense, you guys better start doing this. DC, you better get to doing this. You know, when I was in Miami, my DC, we play, I'll never forget, we're playing in Minnesota and, you know, our DC comes in at halftime and literally starts crying like, you guys are going to get me fired. Like, you guys got, you know, so whatever he knew to coach shoes. He was like, guys, you guys got to go out there and, and start playing better, do something else. I'm going to be out of here. So I don't know if Sean McVay felt that he maybe could do that with a guy, legendary, a legendary coach as Wade Phillips. You know what I mean? But now you bring a guy in a little bit younger who you bring in, he's going to listen to whatever you tell him. And that's just a question for you is how how are the coordinators in the league? How were they in the relationship with their coaches do they have more of a leadership infrastructure where the head coach is kind of like the final say, but the coordinator is free to do the things he needs to do? Or in your experience, has a head coach put the thumb on the defensive coordinators and tried to micromanage everything or somewhere in between? Well, it's been a little bit of all of the above, you know, first couple of years with uh, Coach Robinson, our coordinator was Fritz Shermer. He by far was making the calls. And there would be some time during the game, you know, Coach Robinson, but he was more of a guy who let the coordinators coach. He set the overall plan and let them go after it. You know, when Coach Knox came, he was a guy you can tell had his thumb more on what was going on you know and then the same was with uh coach shula uh you know we defensively we would sometimes complain to our position in dc and hey coach why don't we do things he's like this is the way coach shula wants it and that's all was said and so uh it just depends and obviously people know jimmy he would bring in guys uh who are going to listen to what he had to say and so uh, it was a little both. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I just kind of see this uh, with Coach McVay and these these newer uh, coaches that are coming in. Him being younger wants to get guys who, one, are going to appreciate him hiring them or getting them hired. And that being said, they're going to absolutely do more of what he asks. And there's certain aspects to it as well that I think are fair. If he's asking them to be more flexible schematically, where you're not yes. just focused solely on fundamentals, but being able to move and adjust quicker in a game, well, that was a weakness on the defense this year. If you're putting your thumb on the guy, though, and keeping it impossible for him to be creative schematically even, then you're hurting your team. And that's my right. concern. Here's my concern. I'm... I'm you know, I'm 41 now, and I look back at my 31-year-old self and 32-year-old self and 33-year-old self and think, man, you are an idiot. And my 32-year-old self, I look back at my 25-year-old self, 24-year-old self, and 23-year-old self and think, man, you're an idiot. 
because <laughs> you, but you know what I'm saying, right? On DC, because life changes you and you grow. And he's only been a head yes. coach in slick since 2017, and it just has right. a feel to me. And I hope I'm wrong, man. This is not me hitting on Sean McVay. Sean McVay, he might be four levels ahead, and he might be going totally 40 chess on me right now. Okay, right. He, I'm hoping this isn't some young guy trying to just make his mark in a way that is, let me say, naive or what's a good word for when I'm trying to say, you know, young guys, a little prideful. I don't know that. I just, it has that feel to me. It really does. Tell me I'm wrong, please. No, uh, I think that's, again, why would you keep going younger? You know what I mean? Again, Kevin O'Connell, I saw him play when my son was playing in San Diego State. So I've gotten a close-up look at him and, you know, seeing how he got into coaching and kind of got fast-tracked. Again, no knock against him. You never want anyone to not be able to move up and go get their money. But it's just a lot more to learn at that coordinate position. Now, again, the, the luxury he has, Sean McVay is technically the coordinator. So basically he can come along slash quarterback coach slash coordinator learn. And then, you know, we may see him call more and more plays. You know what I mean? So maybe he comes alongside Coach McVay and, you know, he's doing more of the, the grunt work, if you will. You know, Coach McVay, I'm sure, has things that he's looking for from the defense that, hey, uh, Kevin can come in and do all the film breakdown, stuff like that. But, yeah, I, I, I would agree, man, that it, it just seems a little bit like, you know, maybe Coach McVay is going to let everyone know, like, no, you guys think I'm a youngster, but let me show you. I know how to take take the reins. And it could also be that he is, he's got a vision of the team and where he wants to go, got a vision of how he wants the defense to move and work and has a vision of how the offense is going to move and work. And he's going to facilitate that with his coordinators. And facilitating is different than, say, the, um, you know, micromanaging. So maybe that's the kind of leader he wants to do with them. And that's, that can be fine. That's what you really want is, I mean, Bill Belichick has his system in New England. Of course, he's also 20 years older, 30 years older now. And, but he doesn't have his thumb all over his coordinators. He, he has the vision of where he wants to be. And McDaniels and all those guys up there in New England do their job. If that's what he's trying to do with the Rams, fine. And I'm not as concerned about O'Connell. I'm not as concerned about O'Connell at all. I know that you've seen him play down there in San Diego. He didn't, I mean, come on, the Redskins? Seriously? I mean, that's the guy you're bringing in, right? <laughs> but but I'll make this argument with that. And that argument is going to be this. You wanted a guy who you can put in the booth and get another look at the field, just like he had with the floor. That's what he wants. He wants a different look of the field. LaFleur and him worked together in that way. He still called the plays when LaFleur was here. So if it's that kind of partnership where he has somebody who, who you 
he can see eye to eye with and understand, that should be fine. It's the defense I'm worried about. It's really the defense. And hopefully with Aubrey Pleasant there and Eric Henderson, two guys I actually really believe have bright futures in this league. If they come around Staley, I think they'll be all right too. Yeah, I mean, you know, what you're talking about ultimately is maturity and growth across the board. You know, we get that and cohesiveness and team. Uh, but I think that's that's the the thing that makes a podcast, a news report, uh, an article interesting in the fact that because we aren't sitting in those meetings and different things, a little bit of what we're saying is speculation on what we're just reading from what we think are the tea leaves. So when I look at, you know, everything going on, I look at Wade Phillips, legendary, you know, Sean McVay going to say, hey, coach, I need you to play a little more zone right now. You know, we're struggling here on offense. We don't need to give up the big plays. But when you actually look through, I'm looking at uh, article according to the inside edge. It said teams facing the Rams through the deep balls on only 9.6% of their pass attempts, which is the third lowest rate in the NFL. You know, so the average was 12.2. So it wasn't like they were testing us deep often, but in like those games you said, it showed glaringly that, you know, we couldn't get off the field. You know what I mean? So stats are good on one hand, but in the big picture, they don't necessarily pinpoint certain games when you need to play big and you didn't. So so having said all that, I I just want to believe that just having seen a number of their practices, Coach McVay is very upbeat, very spirited, and he's going to want everybody else to be the same. And so uh, maybe it was a little of that. Maybe it was, you know, something else. Maybe it was, you know, Coach Phillips really didn't want to get rid of Aqib Tlaib, you know, you don't know. And, and maybe, you know, Ramsey seemed like he filled in well, you know, reports early on right now are saying he said he would have loved to have been here all season, which are great signs for hopefully us signing him to a long-term deal and all those good things. But now you're talking about him now playing with another new coach and how is that going to work? I don't know. Well, I think – the big problem with the Rams overall defensively was that they they couldn't handle teams that were more physical than them. Right. They just couldn't. They couldn't stand up to them. And that is concerning. You couldn't come up with anything. It's just out-muscled. The Ravens out-muscled them. And when the Ravens <laughs> did, they just right. they shriveled, man. You know, the saying goes for, for Dallas. Dallas just beat them up. You got to get tougher out there, and that hopefully is something that can be, you know, come across. In three, four, you have to have the right guys in there. You're not going to have four down linemen. You're going to have guys wider. You have to be able to come and hit people in pursuit much more than in a four three. We need to do it no matter what. But four three, you have that fourth down lineman there to kind of help you out at the line. So I'm just thinking. He wants somebody who's focused not just on the fundamentals of the game, but somebody who schematically who will be ready. And then they got to find some personnel for him. They got it. I mean, you can't. Michael Brockers was a good Ram. Did he look to first round expectations? Probably not. I, I've said before, 
he's still a good Ram. And you hope you can get him back next year at a cheaper rate. But was there anybody else notable that rotated on the defensive line that you thought was able to properly contribute to the team? It's just him and Donald. At linebacker, right. you had guys who, who right. could pursue, but did you really have a good run stuffer there all year? No. Right. I mean, so there's holes in them. Despite the fact they were loaded and still are pretty loaded, there's still holes in the roster. And that brings my my other concern, Mike, is that early estimates on salary cap are off. And now they're down to $14 million in salary cap space. They're going to have to make some moves or <laughs> they're going to have to eat it this year. And they're going to have to eat right. it going in the stadium. We right. knew they're going to eat it at some point, which is a question of right. <laughs> right. So what yeah, do you think? So it's, it's interesting. The, yeah, it's interesting in the sense that, you know, coordinators aren't going this year, you know, so are they already saying, you know, we're not necessarily looking like we're going to make this run this year. But, man, when you start going through – you know, the contracts that are coming up, you know, a lot of guys after 2020 are, are coming up. So, you know, you got Jalen Ramsey coming up. You got uh, Robert Woods is coming up after 2020, you know. So, uh, obviously, Clay Matthews, I, I'm going to assume he should be back just because he's somewhat cap friendly right now. Uh, obviously, Eric Weddle has retired, but I, I'm just gonna i'm just a little concerned just overall on what what we're absolutely trying to get to or to do overall you know i think we're still we got enough to do it or get back to the playoffs next year but as much as we have you noted already in regards to some of the things we need at least do defensively we got stop the run a little bit better we absolutely got to get to the pass rush we can't rely on you know just Aaron Donald to try to get back there and then create havoc so uh it's going to be interesting with all the new changes this really brings it back to the one thing Lestine has done well and that is he has selected guys who can develop almost that entire 2019 draft class contributed to the team last year and then they have you know a couple guys from the year before who are going to be coming back off injury. So all that in mind, they have to they have to be on the developing game. They have to make sure that they are working at getting these guys to fulfill their talent level and above, reaching above it really. With no first round pick, we've been we've talked about this before. You just have to be on your game with development, and they can't strike out in those middle rounds. They have to find ways to develop no late round picks. So that's the price you pay. That's the absolute price you. But they've proven that that they can develop them too. By the way, they have proven it. So, I mean, and this is going to go opposite. Of something I do want to point this out. Actually, I should go ahead and mention our sponsor first, and then I'll go ahead and point out. I do want to go ahead and. Thank our sponsor, as always, Jim Hawk, who's been great to us. His book, Hall of Scene, Grit, Glamour, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams, remains one of the top history books. You can go out there and read about the Rams anytime, anyplace, really. He's found it online or on your bookshelf if you buy it. So check it out. It's a story of his father, Jim, Jim's father, John, who was offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. It's a story 
of his father, the team played for an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You can read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy Chrysler, Sir Tom Fierce, and Les Richter in this story spent the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks book online at hollowsteam.com and on Twitter at hollowsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic format on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And uh, don't forget paperback now, too. Check it out. Hollowsteam, Great Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. One thing I do want to mention, Mike, is I'm gonna I think I'm gonna defend Lestine here a little bit. Because, you know, when you put investments in players, like they went and invested in Brandon Cooks, and they invested in Jared Goff, and they invested in Todd Gurley, and that's what really kind of buried him. You had to invest in Aaron Dahl, right? He's the best player in the league. You're not gonna let him go. Now you have four high paid players, all of them are front loaded contracts. And you're having to add a fifth one here soon in Jalen Ramsey. You want to pay your stars. Here's the here's the hard part about it. Is for the longest time the Rams had this reputation years ago, and you've mentioned this in the past as well for being cheap. You know, I think you said quote unquote same old Rams. I think you said that once was your quote. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, here they are. They they threw a bonus to, Ro- to Robert Woods a year or so ago for his performance. They rewarded Todd Gurley for being one of the best in the league with this mega deal. They rewarded Brandon Cooks, who at the time was one of the most consistent, productive receivers in the league with a huge contract. And they rewarded Jared Goff, who... They probably should have waited on, but Gurley as well. You know, well, Gurley. You know, you did you want? Did you want to risk getting him upset? You know, did you did you want to risk a lot of things? I think right now, if they were to go back, they would say, "Yeah, we should have waited." But my point is this: is just to kind of defend the Rams a little bit too. And I, I know I'm probably running contrary to past discussions we've had. I'm just kind of thinking about this of late. You want to be known as a franchise that will pay players, that will reward your stars, don't you? Especially yes. when you're in L.A. You want to be known as that. Yes. And I think it's a conundrum that teams face now. You have to, if you want to keep the players that, that developed under your roof, you got to pay them. Or else you risk being seen as nothing more than, more than a farm system for everybody else. Or being seen as just cheap. This is why I have. True. This is I keep coming back to it, Mike. I, this is why I have a huge problem with the the salary cap structure. I really do because a if you're a team that wants to win, that really really wants to win, you should be able to take your money that you've earned and pour it into your team. I understand the need for competitive balance, but then you know what? Again, this, I'm bringing I'm bringing it up again. Why does why do we never hear the players' association or the teams both making this case with each other to change the salary structure? Why can't it be a case where, say, a hometown team is allowed to sign their players to a hometown designated contract, like to a year, to keep those guys they develop and to be able to pay them a certain ratio above the salary cap? Why can't they do that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things, again, 
you know, having gone on strike in 87 and then, you know, there was a development of this entity called the quarterback club who kind of segued and themselves, uh, segregated themselves, if you will, to try to get deals for quarterback clubs and high elite players. That right there kind of put a wedge in on, okay, we're we're all in this together. However, us the quarterbacks, we kind of make things roll. As things have evolved, everyone goes, if you don't have a good quarterback, you're never going to win. So the emphasis somehow has gotten put on the quarterback. So until they're able to figure out that, yes, you need an absolutely great quarterback, but you also need some great linemen as well. And, and, and until they go, well, quarterback is just – yeah, a pivotal position, but it's still one of the 11 on offense. We need quality across the board. So I don't know how they go back in time because quarterbacks aren't going to say, yeah, hey, man, we, we feel we're part of the team. We're not going to make this $40 million. I mean, look at Tom Brady. Dude is about to hit free agency and word is out. He's already got a two-year deal offer for $30 mil. $60 mil? $40 Three and 44, 44 and 45. Really? Y'all about to break bread like that? So when you have that thing, is a guy like that going to go back to making only 12 million? No. So I don't know how they can go back in time and, and reestablish something with the cap or, you know, maybe take the, the quarterbacks out of the equation or something. Uh, I'm sure there's been a number of different proposals to, to do it to, to maybe balance things across the board so you don't have these years of okay you got this one or two maybe a three-year window because you went all in and then you're done for the next six years because of salary cap issues that's my concern is that if you are a team that is developing your players you should be able to try and keep them i i really struggle with that mike and I've talked to you about this before. How if you go get a if you go find a guy a dime in the rough in the fourth round, or even a Jared Goff in the first round, number one overall, and you find a way to develop him and make him into everything you think he should be, and he's homegrown, why can't you pay him the money he should get? Well, I'll say, well, you can. You have to go. You have to basically junk the rest of your roster for that. But right. that to me that penalizes the team. That penalizes the team that for that developed you, because a large portion well, of this team is going to come to the draft. Yeah, and and what your point is, at three years you have limited free agency. You know, we're quote unquote restricted free agent. So that right there is like team step up, pay up, or you get to go somewhere else. So yeah, that's where uh, it's situation where. Once you become that restricted free agent, how can a team keep you without having to just tear up their whole salary cap? Because that typically what happens a lot of times, you know, a guy gets in that third year and another team gets to grab him because you don't want to either, you know, sell the house for everything right now or you want this guy to uh, play one more year under that rookie deal and then maybe pay him, you know, where, you know, next year your cap is going to look better. So yeah, it's, it's, that's where this whole thing of analytics and all those things come in number crunching and front office people. And that's, that's what they get the big money is to try to determine 
where you get a guy in the draft, how you developing, when do we pay him, and how does it affect our overall salary cap? So it's just, it's just everything seems to come down to timing. But the way it is, the timing will never be right because eventually you're going to probably pay your quarterback. You're going to pay him, and but it doesn't make sense across the board that this is your system. You're basically <laughs> a farm league, your farm team for another for another team in the league. Yeah, you develop yeah, your, your tight ends, your receivers, your cornerbacks. You develop all these guys, and you let them go, and you get mid round sometimes compensation for letting them go. Well, what's crazy? We look at a situation like uh, New England a couple years ago. They had a situation. It sounded like Belichick wanted to let Brady walk then, and like, man, we got our young gun future here. And then owner gets involved, doesn't happen. Garoppolo's now. Niners just won a Super Bowl. But now you look at if they actually let New England, if New England lets Brady walk, who do they have? I don't even know who their backup quarterback is. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, now I, they're, I get they're, they're going to be in a situation, right? They are. And that's why I don't think they let him go, honestly. But are they going to pay him that much money? Because that kind of was the issue, right? We talked about he's been giving them kind of the hometown discount now for years. He's probably like, yeah, you guys not getting a hometown discount this time. So are they going to have to step up and pay 30 mil a year? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They're going to have to do yeah. something. They're going to have to do something because if not, they might lose it. But it's it could be a case of, Tom Brady doesn't need the money. Even, you know, but he took pay cuts for so long. If I'm Tom Brady, though, if I go back to New England, am I confident that given the weapons they have, they're going to be able to get back? Because he doesn't have the arm he had before. He doesn't have the mobility he had before. He needs weapons. Right. Right. And at this point in his career where they didn't, this, this, is, this is the Patriots' fault. The Patriots got by against the Rams by having Gronk and Edelman and right. just enough through that playoffs to do it. But this year, that caught up to them quite a bit. They didn't have right. anybody. They, they, The Patriots, as good as they are, have failed miserably at getting receivers through the draft. Right. So now you need weapons. Right. Maybe Brandon Cook's available. <laughs> I'm kidding. Maybe. I'm kidding. <laughs> right. But, yeah, but, yeah, you, you, you definitely bring up great, great, great dilemma that is going to have to be dealt with. And I'm sure if we're talking about it, I know this has been broached at the NFL level somewhere, but it just doesn't seem like anyone has really figured out a way to get it worked out in real time. Well, they shouldn't have to keep coming back to it overall. This should be something that is negotiated in the next CBA period. Just negotiate this thing through and start thinking outside the box. Stop penalizing teams for doing their job right. Right. I mean, you don't need to have a hard cap. Make it like the other leagues with their luxury tax Exemption players allow, allow teams to go a certain level above the cap. For homegrown players. Reward them well, for doing right. Well, I think that's where, again, what is 
fueling the other idea of let's keep it going as it is. Well, if you have what is considered, quote unquote, this parody, because a guy like Jerry Jones, he's going to go above and beyond every single time. You know what I'm saying? But there's other guys. They're not doing that. So a guy like Jerry Jones, he's going to come. That's going to be a place, a destination that players want to go because, one, they know they'll be treated fairly and paid accordingly. So that's where it gets into the owners. And if you got a lot of extra bread on the side, money, I mean, then you're going to be able to do some different things that allow you to maybe can uh, get a what do they call it a an advantage so yeah it's interesting and you know that's why the owners have their own meetings and then the players have theirs and they have the try to come up with the cba but believe me there are certain owners and they're like hey man we're small market teams you know this and that i mean look at the charges right now like what are they going to do it's interesting you said because the first ESPN power rankings came out and it had the Chargers right ahead of the Rams. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, how are you going to say that when the Chargers have more problems than the Rams do right now? I mean, right. That can't be true. Well, we're going to talk about this next week. That was, that was scheduled for this week, but I'll, we'll talk about next week. What we'll do here, though, okay. folks, is we'll, we'll step aside. We will come back to some of these things, especially the power rankings. These first power rankings I saw. Way ahead power rankings have the Rams at 21st. I don't know if I can really go with that, but there might be a reason to go that way. We'll talk about it, and we'll also be back midweek with an interview with the former Ram. So, Mike, any closing thoughts? Hey, man, it just uh, we got to keep our fingers crossed a little bit on some of these moves and Hopefully in the next few weeks uh, through the draft and this early free agency period, we'll be able to to figure out a little bit more of what direction we're ultimately going in. And hopefully direction is forward, not back, by the way. Just want to That's point right. that out. Just want to point it out. <laughs> All right, folks, you can find us anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, but mostly Apple Music. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find good old Mike at one Duke twenty three. You can find Rams Talk at Talk Rams. Also, we are looking for sponsors for the upcoming year. You can email us at ramstalk nineteen forty five gmail com if you'd like to be a part of our team here and, and advertise with us. And as always, looking for staff members. We're trying to get bigger for next year and get you more content on the written side of things. So, all that in mind. For the entire team here, this is Derek C. Paul saying, peace, we are out of here. Outie. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Regina King. For Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. 
But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.